Hey everybody, John Fusco here with our first episode of the No Film School podcast for 2017. I hope everyone is recovering from their New Year's Eves today appropriately. This week, you'll hear an interview I conducted with Johannes Nilholm, where we discuss his experience directing his first feature film, The Giant, which had its world premiere at the Toronto International Film Festival back in September. The Giant is a movie that's nearly impossible to pin down. Nilholm describes it as a western, a cheesy sports movie, a drama, a surrealistic fantasy, and a dark comedy all rolled into one. It follows the daily life of an autistic and severely deformed little person named Ricard, whose main ambition in life is to win the Scandinavian Championship of Pentenk, a European bowling game much like bocce ball. Also, there's a 200-foot giant by his side. Nilholm is a DIY filmmaker through and through. He didn't go to film school, instead teaching himself as many tools as he could through shooting, editing, VFX, and animation, first for music videos and then his own shorts. He is living proof that with the correct tools in place, you can create a movie that doesn't cost much, even though it looks like it does. Hey everybody, it's John Fusco. I'm here with Johannes Nilholm. Am I pronounced? I'm massacring that, aren't I? <laughs> uh, it's a tough one for you, I guess. Yeah. It's uh, Johannes Nilholm. Nilholm? Nilholm. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and he's the uh, director and writer of The Giant, which is a film I was lucky enough to catch here at TIFF this year. Uh, why don't you introduce yourself to us, Johannes, and give us a little bit more about yourself. Let us know a little bit more about yourself. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm a Swedish filmmaker. I live in Gothenburg on the west coast of Sweden. Um, I'm, um, I started my, uh, uh, my film career uh, as uh, a music video director. Mm. I made a lot of music videos uh, from almost 15 years ago. Uh, and then I have an art background as well. I've gone to art schools and so. Um, but my, my real film school, it was making music videos. Mm. And then I've uh, gradually uh, evolved towards animation uh, and uh, doing my own short films when I was fed up with, uh, with the music video yeah. industry. <laughs> <laughs> so now uh, this is my first uh, feature film that I'm, I'm having a world premiere for here in Toronto. Great. So you started as a music video director. Can you sort of maybe take us through the leap from music video directing to short film directing and then we'll talk about the leap from short film directing to feature film directing mm. yeah uh, i mean it was a kind of a gradual uh, move uh, when doing music videos it's always so uh, intensely uh, hectic uh, you have really really short of time you you come up with an with an idea and uh, three weeks later the the music video should be done so it's really stressful and sometimes you actually enjoy the idea or the concept of the video and want to continue working with it. So uh, some of my shorts are actually uh, evolved from uh, some actual music videos that I made cool. that I continued. Like uh, I made one for Little Dragon. Uh, I don't know if you know. Yeah, I'm familiar with them. Yeah. yeah. And uh, what, uh, what song? <laughs> uh, Twice. Twice. Okay. Uh, it was their first video, actually. Oh, cool. Uh, that, a shadow play. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, and then I wanted to make that story longer. It, it was about a, a girl and uh, a bird, and the girl uh, ended up uh, alone, dying in the forest. She uh, couldn't find her way back home. And then I wanted to continue the story uh, and made a short film that was maybe 
three times longer with the new music from Little Dragon. Oh, nice. Uh, so it was kind of the other way around. Instead of uh, having getting the music, I, I made the film and then they composed to the images instead. Were, were they people you knew beforehand or did they just kind of... No, they are from Gothenburg, uh, oh, okay. but uh, I didn't know them before making that video. Hmm. But now we are good friends after that. It cool. was a good collaboration. And you said that you actually started uh, veering into animation from these music videos. Um, we were talking a little bit before the interview about sort of uh, one of the importances of being a sort of low budget, um, mm. micro budget filmmaker is yeah. to have like this knowledge of tools. How would you say that the knowledge of uh, animation or post-production software in that sense has helped you out as a filmmaker? Uh, I mean... I have, uh, I mean, all my filmmaking is based on that, mm. uh, the do-it-yourself uh, uh, idea. I mean, I, uh, as when I worked with music videos, it was me or maybe another guy as well uh, doing everything, like from uh, shooting to editing to doing uh, the VFX and uh, the animation. It was like, uh, it was like a, uh, you were playing around and uh, just learning new stuff all the time. Uh, and I, I mean, I still enjoy very much doing all those uh, kind of uh, hands-on stuff. I, I still, I mean, even in this uh, feature film, I've, I've done a lot of the, the VFX in the end. Uh, I really kind of enjoy to be down to earth and uh, use my hands mm -hmm. and, and to have that being seen in the film. Uh, I'm not so into this uh, flashy uh, uh, kind of... Uh, high production value look even though maybe this film looks expensive have, in some way you have some yeah you have some um, elements of cgi you know in the yeah, movie and that's stuff a lot of it. um how would you say that um cgi can enhance or like an animation i guess or vfx can enhance micro budget features in that sense uh, I mean, it doesn't need to cost much, even though it looks like it does. Mm -hmm. uh, because I mean, you can do magic with uh, with uh, with the right tools uh, if you know them. Mm -hmm. uh, in this film, uh, it's part of the concept to to make it look like a documentary, but mm -hmm. then uh, gradually you it turns into something else, into a surreal, uh, a really beautiful, picturesque. Uh, uh, fantasy landscape mm -hmm. so we have those two worlds colliding and uh, you're going back and forth between them it's like a, a dream world and uh, the harsh reality meeting each other right and so maybe the vfx are are useful in the sense of building that fantasy world and sort of contrasting with the documentary yeah, yeah for sure yeah, yeah. Cool. and we wanted that contrast to be really really big do you think there's something to be said for maybe using CGI sparingly versus using CGI or VFX like, you know, uh, the Avengers or some Hollywood blockbuster would use CGI? Uh, for sure. I mean, uh, it's it's completely different, of course. Uh, I can't compete with that and I'm not, I'm not trying to compete with that either. Uh, um, I, I'm trying to make images that I have in my mind and want them to look like that. And sometimes I'm able to do it myself. Uh, sometimes uh, I need a lot of help from uh, more skilled uh, VFX uh, gurus. But um, I mean, to make um, a Hollywood book uh, blockbuster like uh, Independence Day and so, it's, mm -hmm. it's kind of 
out of my league. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about um, some of the strategies that you um, used. There's these moments in the film where we get a first person perspective from Ricard, mm. um, where it's. I mean, he's, he only has one eye, so it's, mm. it's, it's, you know, and with the little vignette, the circle vignette. Mm. Um, but then it also appears as if the screen is sort of like melting or the figures are melting. Is that something that you did in post or is that something that you did while shooting sort of like? It's, it's analog. Uh, it's sometimes a combination. I mean, the vignette, so it's, uh, it's, uh, done in post, but the, the look of the image of the pub mm-hmm. point of view, it's uh, analog. Uh, me and the photographer, cinematographer, we went to a thrift store. Hmm. Is that called a thrift store? Yeah, yeah, yeah thrift store, store, like a dollar store. We looked at all the old uh, glasses and vases and uh, oh, every, cool. everything in glass that we could find. Yeah. And, uh, looked inside them and saw how it looked. So you just like put <laughs> the boss up to the... Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then we bought a lot of it and then I, uh, the, the best one, I kind of cut it off mm-hmm. and made it into um, a lens. Wow. So did you yeah. like apply that directly yeah, to yeah. the camera? Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. Wow. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Was there anything else, any other parts of the film where you'd have to do things like that or you, you used sort of practical... Uh, probably. Uh, there was... Uh, uh, I mean, there are a lot of analog... Uh, effects in it a lot of uh, apart from those kind of uh, VFX heavy stuff mm-hmm. there are some some that's uh, I mean we use all all these kind of uh, t- traditional techniques with um, Rickard he has a mask on him for example mm-hmm. uh, that looks like it looks really really authentic yeah uh, it looks like it's a real person so that was that, that that wasn't an actual deformity that no no it's uh, he's a uh, no <laughs> you idea. didn't know you didn't know okay, <laughs> my mind good. is blown yeah. yeah okay that's fantastic <laughs> uh, you, you should have been at the at the second screening then when he was there he was there uh, he was there yeah and uh, I think a lot of people were astonished afterwards that they saw how he looked for real huh yeah, so he's a he's a real guy underneath that. <laughs> but that's I mean that's uh, analog effects of course, but uh, they are uh, it's not meant to be seen uh, as an effect. Right. Yeah. Um, when, I mean, what clearly it wasn't. I'm just yeah. <laughs> still kind of. I'm happy to hear. So can can we talk a bit a little bit about the film while we're on the subject? Um, why was this an important story for you to tell? It's a it's a hard story, I think, for a lot of audiences to really take in, um, just because you know there's the protagonist is deformed. Mm. Um, there's a lot of mental health sort of issues which are often shied away from. Why was this an important story for you? Uh, maybe it wasn't. Maybe I just did it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> maybe <laughs> I spent uh, ten years of my life doing. An important stuff. Yeah. yeah. Why not? No, but I mean, uh, it's, 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 uh, I have inspiration from many sources. Uh, when I was a little kid, uh, I, uh, I usually had fever dreams that, mm. uh, was, uh, really similar. Uh, they were reoccurring and, uh, I felt like I was trapped in another body. Mm. Uh, like I had, a another, uh, kind of, uh, skin or, f- parts of flesh outside my own body and it, and when I moved, I could see this uh, this person or this body, those limbs moving. But I was felt totally disconnected to it, mm. and it felt really. It was kind of uh, it grew some existentialist uh, thoughts in my mind, and thinking if this is not me, where I, where am I? Uh, and I had some ideas of uh, uh, afterwards t- trying to recreate that feeling of uh, alienation from uh, from the rest of the world. I mean, I could. 
I couldn't really communicate with the rest of the world. It felt like I was seeing it from a from a large distance, from a binoculars turned the other uh, uh, way around. Mm-hmm. Uh, I couldn't really get what they were saying, and I couldn't communicate with them. And I, uh, I've been trying to recreate that um, that psychological state uh, a couple of times before, and this is uh, uh, what I'm trying to do here as well, in a way, giving. Uh, uh, this psyche and this psychological state and uh, trying to uh, have a physical manifestation of it as well in the main character, Ricard, mm-hmm. uh, being kind of covered by a, a thick uh, molds of flesh, uh, right. uh, deforming his face and uh, uh, stopping him from... Uh, it's like a filter between him and the rest of the world. You can see that he, he has... His ears are almost covered and... Mm-hmm. He only has one visible eye mm-hmm. and a small mouth. So you can, it's, um, I'm trying to recreate some kind of uh, view of an autistic mind. Or, I mean, it's not important for me to call it autism, uh, but uh, he has, he's not diagnosed in the film. You don't say right, exactly right. what he has. Or so, but this feeling of uh, uh, being separated from society. Uh, being uh, different, being uh, in the in the what do you say uh, in the outskirts of an outsider uh, sort of uh, yeah, yeah, an yeah. outsider perspective, yeah. So uh, I would I'm trying to uh, depict that life uh, in many ways, not just through him, but also I mean through the game he's playing, this petank game. It's uh, uh, at least in Sweden, it's uh, even more here, I guess. It's um, it's kind of an outsider sport. Uh, you don't see people play it so much. It, they are hidden in uh, old factory buildings yeah. uh, outside of town, <laughs> and, uh, uh, and uh, there's a, there's a scene in the film where um, where there's a tournament. Uh, and one one part, the biggest part of the tournament uh, in, in this big hall, they are playing uh, beach volley. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and in one little part of the hall, uh, it's the Nordic Championship of petank, and they they always get those beach balls, uh, beach volleyballs in uh, in the backs, and it's uh, kind of really destroying the the focus uh, yeah. <laughs> for and the players. The disparity between the two audiences too. I yeah, mean, yeah, yeah. you know, one of them is obviously a much more popular and uh, sexy game than exactly. the other. So. <laughs> <laughs> so it's kind of a big contrast. I'd like to see that, uh, to build up that contrast between, between the outsiders and the rest of the world and the kind of trying to also show that uh, everyone is an outsider from from some perspective. Mm-hmm. Well, it's interesting that you use a character and I, I guess a game to sort of manifest that within a script. Um, this seems like kind of a stupid question to ask now after having met you, because it doesn't seem like you'd want to categorize this film under any genre. But, you know, if you could, what, <laughs> what sort of like genre would you say this yeah. is or are you interested in? Yeah, but uh, of course I thought about that. It's, it's, I mean, I can see so many uh, different genres weaved into this. Uh, I mean, there's some kind of a Western theme going on there with the... Uh, uh, instead of uh, shooting uh, bullets of lead, they're shooting uh, balls of sto- of steel mm-hmm. at each other, uh, like uh, like weapons. Yeah. Uh, and there's this kind of story of the lonely guy riding th- uh, towards the sunset. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, it's the the score too evokes sort of like yeah. the western, like yeah, yeah, Sergio Leone. Yeah, 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 for sure. This desolate, uh, melancholic, whistling music. 
Mm-hmm. And you have Rickard riding his tricycle uh, instead yeah. of a white horse yeah. <laughs> <laughs> towards the sunset. So, it, I mean, it's the, the Western theme is in there. It's a, I mean, it's a cheesy sports movie in one way. Yeah. Um, it's, a, it's a dark comedy. It's a surrealistic fantasy uh, drama in one way. I mean, it doesn't really make sense to... I mean, the idea of uh, uh, generalization or saying a film is a, a specific genre is mm. for people to understand what kind of film it is. Exactly. Uh, so yeah. <laughs> I don't think people will be any wiser to... I'm still what trying I'm to... <laughs> what, I'm, <laughs> yeah. what I'm trying to explain. It. It's, it's a different film in that aspect. aspect. But still, I think it's... Uh, a pretty easy film to follow anyway. Yeah, it is. I mean, yeah. it's it's an accessible, it's because you have sort of the, the you know, you say it's like a cheesy sports film and you have that sort of to guide yeah. the audience's perspective yeah. while assaulting them mm. with all this like sort of surrealist ideology. Can mm. we get into some of that surrealism? How does like surrealism aid you as a storyteller? I mean, I've always been fascinated with uh, with magic. Uh, when I was a kid, uh, I wanted to be a magician uh, <laughs> <Cool>. <laughs> or a clown. Yeah. And uh, then I, I thought that filmmaking could combine that. Yeah, uh, I also wanted to be an actor at some place at some uh, time. There's still time. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm still I'm doing it sometimes also. Good. Only in my own movies. <laughs> no. Were you in this film at all? Did you make? Any- uh, I had to be there. There was one one party scene uh, at mm-hmm. this. Um, the- it was really long shots with a lot of people, and uh, to be able to direct it, uh, I had to uh, be in the scene to mm-hmm. kind of uh, not be too obvious a director. So I had to play the part of a, of a party goer. Cool. <laughs> a hard part. Sometimes to play. you actually see see me if you look closely. You can see me uh, directing the main character in the background. Oh, really? <laughs> How was it uh, directing sort of the mentally handicapped or the? Um... Uh, for me, it wasn't uh, at all different from directing the rest of the actors. Mm. Uh, there are so many um, amateurs, uh, not professional actors in the film. Uh, there's almost non-professional, no professional actors in the film. And uh, I mean, I worked in a similar way with all of them, uh, trying to build their confidence, uh, trying to get to know them. So they trusted me. Mm-hmm. Um, and also so I could uh, kind of see what they wanted to do, what was going on in their minds. So I could uh, kind of uh, blend their own uh, personalities a bit into their the characters that mm-hmm. they, they were playing. Right. And I, I worked the same with, uh, with uh, all, all the amateurs in the film. Uh, like trying to see what was going on in their their life and mm-hmm. trying to uh, make that uh, enhance my ideas of what w- they were going to do. Interesting. What is it like making films in Sweden or Scandinavia? I mean, you said you didn't go to film school. Mm. Um, is it easy to break into the scene there? Is it a flourishing scene? Is it... Uh, I think it's always tough to uh, do things for the first time. Uh, if, I mean, it works very different from here. It's uh, finance financially, you you can get support from the state. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think you have here. You have more like censorships and that kind of stuff, uh, and the, the studio system, yeah. of course, yeah. and the uh, private uh, investors. So, but. Um, uh, a big part of the financing of the film is uh, stately, su- state support, often half of it or so. 
Uh, but it's really hard to get it, yeah. extremely hard, especially if you haven't uh, done much before, mm. uh, if you haven't the right contacts. Uh, so it's really hard. So for me, um, before I had my films getting into the hot festivals, uh, I, I, I couldn't finance my own films. Uh, but after that, it was a bit easier. It's still, it's not easy. It's always uh, a tough work to uh, to convince people mm. to believe in your projects. Mm-hmm. Um, apart from that, uh, I mean, the, there's some stuff uh, I like in uh, working in Sweden. Of course, uh, I like the language. Uh, in Gothenburg, for example, we have a lot of filmmakers. There's a film school there. There's a, there's a lot of uh, people, independent uh, mm-hmm. filmmakers there. That's uh, and a lot of talent. Uh, that uh, I mean, come and go between the different um, productions. There's also tough rules uh, that you have to follow. It's not. Uh, it's not. Um, if, you, if you're doing films the way you should do films, that is supported uh, by the state, uh, there, there comes a lot of rules you have to follow. Uh, what, what sort of rules? Um, uh, associations that um, that help actors, that help directors, and those associations are really governing uh, their, their people really, really tough. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I started to make films, I wanted to do my best, and I wanted to. I could work from uh, from early in the morning to the late of the night. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wanted to have fun. I could kind of put all my energy in it. But now there's so many rules that stops both me and uh, uh, the other talents from actually doing it. Mm-hmm. Uh, everyone is really afraid of getting used, doing stuff, and not getting paid. So I think more uh, energy is wasted on. Uh, making sure that you are not getting used mm-hmm. than actually trying to do something interesting yeah because we have i mean we have sag and uh sort of like unions around that too mm. um but that's an inter- yeah that's an interesting way to put it i mean if you're fully invested and if your cast is fully invested in having a great time shooting this film why mm. shouldn't you be able to like film <laughs> all the time you yeah know? yeah yeah exactly I mean, it's, of course, it's good with unions protecting you. It's it's not that, but it's. Uh, I think um, there's those rules. There's so many surreal rules. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, let me give you an example of a surreal rule. Yeah. Um, when I shoot in Gothenburg, if I have the kind of the headquarter of the, the production in one place, every day should should start uh, for for all the people should start at that place. If if I had a lo- have a location two hours from there, mm. then uh, you count two hours to the location and two hours back. Even though actually no one goes to the headquarters in the beginning, you pretend like they do. <laughs> so everyone meets uh, at the location at the location two hours later. So you lost two hours there, and then you lo- lose two hours afterwards. So you have you have four hours of shooting mm. instead of eight hours. People get paid for eight hours doing four hours. And to me, it's uh, it's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. It 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 forces you to find locations really close to the headquarter. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, most of this film is shot. Uh, I mean, at the parking lot of the headquarter. <laughs> Not really, but uh, a bit of it, in a way, uh, sort of. Cool. <laughs> uh, I think it's. Uh, I mean, it's ridiculous. Yeah. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous rules. It doesn't make sense. No. Not at all, especially if you're, you know, have a micro budget or you have a very limited resources to work with. So I guess a few more questions. One, what was the jump like from, we we talked about earlier what the jump like from music videos to shorts was. What was this jump from short to feature like for you? 
the biggest difference uh, is that uh, for this feature at least, I'm working on a feature as well, which is completely different right. uh, production-wise. But with this feature, the big jump was that I'm not producing it myself, mm -hmm. uh, and it's a lot of lot of more people that I'm, I usually work with. There's such a big crew uh, and so many people uh, in front of the camera. So for me, it was a big, big uh, leap mm -hmm. and. Uh, The main struggle for me was to to get to uh, to learn all these uh, uh, new ways of how to make a film. Right. I like to put myself in situations where I'm out of control. Mm -hmm. uh, so I, I succeeded with that. I was totally out of control in my situations, <laughs> <Good>. <laughs> creating a little bit of a chaos. It got out of my hands in many ways, just because I I don't decide all of it anymore mm -hmm. since I'm not producing it. Sure. A lot of other people are uh, deciding stuff. Uh, over my head. Hmm. So wrapping it up then, if you had any piece of advice, any nugget, any good, like your best piece of advice mm. for emerging filmmakers or for filmmakers who are trying to make their first feature, mm. what would you say? I would say get your own technology, get your own camera, uh, get your own equipment, uh, uh, work with uh, people you know, mm -hmm. uh, people you can trust. Um, Produce it yourself, uh, so you learn all that aspect of the filmmaking as well. Mm -hmm. uh, learn all aspects of the filmmaking. Learn all the rules, rules of it, so you understand it all. Um, and uh, you can start small scale and then uh, gradually grow. I think that's like 18 that's, pieces yeah, of advice. That's, that's great. I, can, I have another one which is even better. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but I won't tell you now. Okay. We'll, we'll wait till the next one comes out, yeah. and then you can give us that. All right, Johannes, thank you so much for talking mm -hmm. with us. It was great. And yeah. um, everyone should check out The Giant if they get a chance. It's a very surreal movie. <laughs> thank you. Thanks. Thanks for listening. I know you missed the rest of the No Film School gang, Emily, Liz, Charles, everyone. So good news. We're back for Indie Film Weekly this Thursday. Be sure and tune in for all the latest filmmaking news, grants and festival deadlines and gear information. I was John Fusco. You can follow me on Twitter at Jim underscore John underscore Jim. If you've liked what you heard today, be sure and head over to iTunes, subscribe to the No Film School podcast and help us start the year off right by giving us a five star review. We'll see you on Thursday.